Hello and welcome. I'm Chelsea, certified mermaid, diver, and science communicator. And I'm Blake, scuba dive master, freediving instructor, and also a science communicator. We've created the Save the Mermaids podcast to connect ocean lovers from across the seven seas who have a desire to protect our waters and learn to live in sync with nature. Save the mermaids, save the seas. Let's dive in. And now for our happy environmental news of the week. Yes. Okay. So this I got from ecowatch.com. And in Iceland, which is still one of the three countries that allow commercial whaling, which, but they did finally announce that they will be ending it by the year 2024, which is when all the current quotas and like licensor licenses expire. Okay. So that's huge new within wow. the news. Yeah. Within the next year and a half, Iceland will be off that list. Um, the current quota allows for them to hunt up to 209 fin whales and 217 mink whales. But so far they, this period, which is 2019 to 2023, only one whale has actually been killed. Wow. And that's a big, um, jump from the last period like they'd killed quite a lot in the last period in this one this is iceland is right one. iceland okay they're, yeah that's been known to be because it's like it's cultural it goes back quite mm-hmm. a ways for killing whales so that's really amazing that that whole country's on board with i know yeah, yeah. Ending that. i'm sure are they still because this is just commercial whaling right it's not for you know how um like uh, native peoples and indigenous peoples in Canada still have rights to hunt beluga whales. I, I'm sure that they're doing something cultural like that. Yeah. And I think that's true with a lot of countries because, um, first people's rights. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's a lot of different rules when it comes to different cultures. And, and usually that's things. all been done sustainably. Mm-hmm. Like the killing yeah. of beluga whales is usually done as much as like, it breaks my heart. Right. <laughs> it's done in a sustainable way that's been happening for centuries. And it's like yeah. one family kills one whale for a year kind right. of thing, rather than commercial where they're like, what, 217. And they're like using the whole thing. Yeah. Like, they're not just killing different, it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like whenever I see, I'm not anti-fishing, I'm anti-commercial fishing, yes, you know yes. what I mean? Because that's when all of the, when everything's industrialized on a large scale, it definitely takes away from the heart of it and mm-hmm. it just wipes it out. So that's amazing to see that they're, because they're one of the largest exporters of whales in the world. Right. Well, and I'm going to get into that too. This is kind of half good news, half bad news oh, like okay. kind of thing. So um, them only having killed one whale in this entire period so far is proof that the killings have no economical benefit to Iceland whatsoever. Right. So when they get rid of this rule, it's not going to affect, you know, job jobs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is a large part of that is because Japan, who was once Iceland's biggest whale meat consumer, now allows the practice themselves. Oh, so they're just so they're just doing it themselves. Waters. Yeah, yeah. Japan, come on, Japan. I know. So after 2024, Japan and Norway are the two countries left that allow it. Okay. Um, Japan but it eats a lot of dolphin. Yeah. And the thing, the thing that worries me the most about when you're eating these large predatory animals, so whether that be dolphins, whales, happens with sharks and tuna, is the mercury content and it causes mercury poisoning mm-hmm. and cancers. So yeah. they've been doing studies, especially in, um, oh, what's the place where they do the wild dolphin project, the, the cove where they kill all the dolphins every oh, year in uh, Japan? Yeah, I don't know. 
Um, but they've done studies of the people there because the kids were growing up for school lunches um, by eating dolphin meat. And they noticed that the kids were starting to get really sick. They were losing their hair, all of these like terrible health problems. And it was because the dolphins have such high mercury content that it's literally poisoning. It's mercury poisoning. It's killing the, killing the kiddos. So hopefully as they see Iceland kind of changing this, it'll start to make a bigger difference. I hope so. Around the rest of the world. Ugh, that's super depressing. It's hot. But it's good that Iceland is taking itself off that list. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Soon they'll all be on. Good, good for you, They'll just swim with them. I know, that would be so nice. At a respectful distance, of At course. a respectful <laughs> distance. Blake and Chelsea here. We are so excited to announce that we are now a positive impact partner with Waterlust. Waterlust creates eco-responsible sun protective apparel to help fund, research, and educate the world about environmental conservation. We've been carefully searching for companies to support, and we truly believe that Waterlust and Save the Mermaid's visions are in complete alignment. They have leggings, sunsuits, and tons of other clothing options in the coolest patterns you'll ever see, like the whale shark pattern, the parrotfish pattern, the abalone pattern. <laughs> we, we seriously can't pick a favorite. <laughs> no. <laughs> we love to rep it, especially while we're out on the water. Go to our website, www.mermaidconservation.com, and click on the Waterlust clothing tab to support your favorite causes, your favorite podcast, and look sexy as fuck doing it. But please, seriously, make sure you go through our website so that we can get some street cred and some snacks. So today we're going to be talking about Sylvia Earle, which, oh, ah, she's so cool. Fangirl moment right now. I just get shaky and giggly talking about her. <laughs> She's amazing, like, amazing. Queen of the ocean. Queen of the ocean. Like yeah. I would die to meet her. Can you imagine? I would throw up. Throw up all over her. <laughs> Be like, Sylvia Earl. I'm, ah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, You're trying to get that a lot by all of us ocean women i i'm sure can imagine yeah see that's the kind of fame that i would be cool with right you know like, like not everybody freaks out and loses their shit like the rock or something when you go to get ice cream but <laughs> a random girl wearing mermaid pants is like <gasps> right like I know you're 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 <laughs> yeah that's kind of what we should all strive to be like yeah. <laughs> oh gosh okay so sylvia earl i'm just Mm. So basic bio, she was born August 30th, 1935 in New Jersey. She is an explorer, oceanographer, scuba diver, research scientist, lecturer, author, marine biologist, everyday hero. <sighs> Girl has done everything. I love it. Like she did more in one year in her life than I ever will. Oh, I know. <laughs> so <laughs> I just have paragraphs of things that she's done. I'm going to try to keep this in some semblance of order. But girl's a champion, and there was way too much. I love that. Yeah, me too. She has her own everything. Yeah. <laughs> what were you going to say? A documentary. Yeah. Yeah, I watched it. It was so good. Oh, my gosh. So if you have anything to add. Yeah, keep going. Throw there's, it in. There's a lot. Okay. <laughs> there's a lot. I was overwhelmed, but yeah. in the best way. Right. Okay, so currently she is natural, National Geographic's Explorer in Residence, the founder of the Deep Ocean Exploration Research Projects, works alongside Google Earth Ocean, and she's the founder of Mission Blue. That's the name of the documentary. Yeah, name, Mission Blue. Mission Blue is cool. I'm actually going to talk about them at the end here. Oh, cool. Um, 
she um, also throws out some of the best quotes of any person ever. Yes. I have a couple of those for later too. Oh, I love them. We'll post them all week. Yes. Sometimes when I post like my mermaid pictures on Instagram, I just Google like ocean quotes or what should I say about this picture? Because Instagram needs quotes or whatever. And it's always Sylvia Earle. (laughs) Always. Yep. She knows what she's doing. She does. Yeah. She was the first woman to become chief scientist at NOAA. (gasps) I did not know that. Right. (laughs) Queen. I know. Queen. Among her outstanding accomplishments is the work on marine algae um, and the threats of overfishing and pollution. Mm. She pioneered the use of scuba, um, helped develop deep sea submersibles, and held the record on September 19th, 1979 for the deepest untethered dive at 389 meters in the Pacific Ocean in a gym suit, which I'm assuming you know what a gym suit is. Well, yeah, I, yeah, so that's insane. <laughs> yeah, your face, I'm going to let you talk about <laughs> that a little bit fuck? about this. <laughs> okay, so I, one thing that I absolutely loved uh, in her documentary, because as a, a female scuba diver, you know, I started scuba diving in the early 2000s, you know, I was maybe like 10, 10 years ago, 12 years ago is when I first started scuba diving. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 2009, 2010, she was doing this uh, back when the, the scuba gear, it was only in black. There was nothing marketed towards women. So Mm -hmm. it was extremely uncomfortable in your lady bits areas. Um, she also said in her documentary that the men didn't believe that she could hold the gear because that was back when, you know, women definitely didn't lift (laughs) heavy things. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and of course women can do anything. So she just got strong enough to lift up her own oxygen tank. And she described the look on men's faces when she would just put on the gear herself without requiring any assistance. And they were just like, Oh, <laughs> eats your heart out. Right? <laughs> and then the, what is it called? The gym suit? Gym yeah. suit? Um, it's like an astronaut. It, it looks like an astronaut's body like it has the full-on helmet and can you explain in feet what that is in meters um 389 i can in a minute while you look it up because that's gotta be what a thousand feet oh my gosh at least right i'm pretty sure that it's times three three point i think it's 3.3 um but the fact that the human body untethered it's dark untethered tethered what a badass I wouldn't do it mm. like I like to think of myself as a pretty cool lady I would not help no and I in would one of those big ass suits yeah you can't move well I remember she has like claws and stuff on the end of it so like there's things that you're like your hands aren't even out because you would die because of the ocean pressure so she was like collecting samples and stuff in the the video of this with her little claws on the outside of the jimmy suit <laughs> Oh my God. Just like ridiculous woman. So is that suit similar to the one that they show in the movie Men of Honor? You remember that movie? I have with like the big, it's like a big iron, like astronaut helmet with a big iron boot. So those are heavy. actually the very first scuba diving. Um, so that's what everyone used to use for scuba diving. Mm. So like commercial diving, if you're welding and stuff under. So this is different. This is a lot more like astronaut vibes with like big tubes and and things like that so it's a little bit different but yeah same vibe but what you're thinking of is for commercial originally commercial diving okay okay Mm. Mm. oh 
so cool. That's terrifying. Yeah, right. It's just to think about how dark it is. Untethered. Down there, untethered. Like, like you're alone. I would be if I could hold on to a rope, I would be okay. But she's yeah. not. But nobody would find holding on to a rope. Anything that you dropped, or like if you got lost, you'd be screwed. Yeah. Mm. Which is up. Follow your bubbles. Yeah, ooh, ooh. I guess. Gives me chills. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so just going through her timeline. So she got her passion originally from growing up and exploring the forests near her home. And I love this because, um, she would just like wander in the woods behind her house and she would watch her parents have such empathy toward nature. Um, she, she just kind of adopted that attitude. So started from an early age. Um, she has been married and divorced and has children, but honestly, I kind of wanted to shy away from that story because she's, we're talking I want to talk about her, yeah. yeah, her and not men, men. <laughs> so just know she's, I mean, her, her personal life has been full. Um, her professional life is full, but I just want to highlight. And she talks about things. that in her documentary. So if you want to go know more about her love life, that's always there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> So in 1966, she completed her dissertations for which she collected 20,000 samples of algae. That's a lot of algae. (laughs) Where do you put all that? (laughs) In your guest room. I guess. (laughs) Like under all the cabinets. (laughs) You open like the bread box and it's just boom. Just algae. (laughs) Under the bed. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Um, she became the resident director of Cape Hayes Marine Lab in Florida. She was a research fellow at Harvard, a research scholar at Radcliffe. In 68, she discovered undersea dunes in the Bahamas. Discovered. I just can't handle how much I want to be an explorer. Like even now that's, that was in the sixties. It's not that long ago. You can still, yeah. 90% Mm -hmm. of our ocean is undiscovered yeah so who's to say there's not mermaids there's definitely mermaids (laughs) you heard it here first people um in 1970 she led the first all-female aquanaut team as part of the tektite 2 which tested the visibility of deep water habitats and the health effects of people living in underwater structures um the tektite 2 was 50 feet below the surface of the great Damshire Bay? Damshire Bay? I think that's right. During this time, Earl observed the effects of pollution on coral for two weeks. The Tektite was a groundbreaking project because women were seen doing the exact same jobs as men. Mm-hmm. Like everybody doubted this team of women and they went down there and rocked it. I'm assuming, is that in the documentary? Yeah, that's the one where it like shows them all, um, you know, diving off of the boats with their scuba gear. And then they have to swim down into the tech tight too. Mm-hmm. And everyone's just like the, just, you know, how sexist, um, newspapers were back then. <laughs> it was just amazing. Like to read, she has them on there, but it's like group of beautiful young women survive underwater for two weeks. No, <laughs> that's how it said it. Yeah. Just like really goofy stuff like that. When in reality, there are these like amazing research scientists who, clearly know what they're doing yeah like very clearly yeah that makes me mad but it's because they're beautiful but hey if that's how you gotta hook them to get people to pay a shit ton of money to protect the planet (laughs) use it take their money (laughs) yeah i i need to watch this documentary it's a good one i should have it's on netflix okay 
Um, in 76, she became the curator and research biologist at California Academy of Science, Sciences. In 79, she became the curator of Psy, psychology, psychology. I think it's phi. Phycology. Yeah, phycology. Phycology. Yeah, that's right. That's a study of algae. <laughs> Sorry, that one took me a minute. I had to reread it a couple times because it was like, she's a psychologist too. <laughs> she's not. <laughs> it's the algae. Um, in the 80s, she founded Deep Ocean Engineering and Deep Ocean Technology with Graham Hawks. And the two designed a submersible called Deep Rover, which went to 3,000 feet under the sea. Um, which is That's so deep. So deep. <laughs> <laughs> she served on the National Advisory Committee on Oceans and Atmosphere, became chief scientist at NOAA, like I said, published over a hundred scientific papers and books. Like what, how many jobs is that? Honestly, <laughs> it makes me, cause I'm always like, Hey, you know, I'm 30 now I've done a couple of cool things. Like I'd say my life has been pretty full. And then I listen to this and she's what? 32 and she's started 20 businesses and written a hundred research right. papers. And I'm like, I am behind. I am a piece <laughs> of garbage. <laughs> yep. Yep. Same. Ooh, well, <laughs> we're the worst. <laughs> fine. Yeah. She's a pretty incredible person. Um, okay. Before I talk about mission blue and the hope spots, I just want to throw out three of my favorite mm. Sylvia Earle quotes. Give them to me. So the first one is quote, no water, no life, no, no blue, yes. no green. <laughs> it's just like so simple and so powerful. We, I think that she is really the pine. I never knew much about Jack Cousteau and like everybody talks about him as being, you know, cause he's the father of scuba diving, Yeah, but she's the one who for at least our generation, mm -hmm. it was like our Jacques Cousteau was like our current generation, but like seeing her and the impact as a woman, because representation really matters. It does. And like seeing, hey, you can lift these scuba tanks. You can do this with the men. Your body actually does better under pressure, right? You know, than well, a man's, anyways. And to be able to see that, like growing up and have her be the one in the spotlight for that. Yeah. It's special. Cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. give, give me more. Okay. Quote. Sharks are beautiful animals. And if you're lucky enough to see lots of them, that means you're in healthy ocean. You should be afraid if you're in the ocean and you don't see sharks. That one comes up a lot. It and does. It's, it's so powerful. And it's so true mm -hmm. because like a lot of people think we think it's normal to only see one shark on a dive, two sharks on a dive, but over 90%, 90% of our sharks have been killed in the last, what is it? 50 years. There's so many stats. With yeah. Shark killing. So like, imagine like what she saw as a scuba diver in the fifties, in the sixties compared to what I've gotten to see since 2010, right. you know, just a ridiculous amount of change. And that might be heartbreaking as a researcher to see, but also powerful to know like how much of a difference we can make, whether good or bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, I mean, she's seen firsthand, even in the tech tight tech. I, what was it? It's the tech tight too. Tech tight too. They were just down there for two weeks and she noticed a change in the corals yeah. based on pollution. In what the seventies? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, imagine seventies pollution. It was probably a lot of hairspray. A lot of hairspray. <laughs> <Aquanet laughs> <Aquanet> <laughs> You just see the cans rolling around the bottom. But people looked good. Yeah. All right. Last quote. Quote, everyone has power, but it doesn't help if you don't use it. Mm. Mm. You know. Speak your truth. She's your so voice. Good. 
Oh, Sylvia Earle. Love her. Please come hang out with us. Oh my God. All right. So I want to talk about Mission Blue and the hope spots now, because this is so, so much of Sylvia Earle is just getting the word out there and doing whatever you can to save our oceans. And she, she really wants us to explore them. She's not saying don't go in there and don't, you know, interact with the ocean. She's saying, please do that. Go care about the ocean, learn what you can. Like we have to learn these new things. We have to find these new places. We have to do this together. And mission blue is a very, very big part of what she has set up. So I actually pulled what I'm about to say straight off of their website because they said it best. So this is from missionblue.com. Um, Mission Blue inspires action to explore and protect the ocean. Led by legendary oceanographer Dr. Sylvia Earle, Mission Blue is united, uniting a global coalition to inspire an upwelling of public awareness, access, and support for a worldwide network of marine areas called Hope Spots. Under Dr. Earl's leadership, the Mission Blue team implements communication campaigns that elevate the hope spots to the world stage through documentaries, social media, traditional media, and innovative tools like Esri Argus. Mission Blue also embarks on regular oceanic expeditions that shed light on these vital ecosystems and build support for their protection. Currently, the Mission Blue Alliance includes more than 200 respected ocean conservation groups and like-minded organizations, from large multinational companies to individual scientific teams doing important research. Additionally, Mission in Blue supports the work of conservation NGOs that share the mission of building public support for ocean protection. With the concerted ex- effort and passion of people and organizations around the world, hope spots can become a reality and form a global network of marine protected areas large enough to rescue the ocean and blue heart of the planet. So it goes on to say, hope spots are basically special places that are scientifically identified as critical to the health of the ocean. The hope spots are championed by local conservationists whom we support with communications, expeditions, and scientific advisory. While about 12% of the land of the world land around the world is now under some form of protection, less than 6% of the ocean is protected in any way. Oh. So they have currently 140 hope spots covering about 57 million kilometers squared of the ocean. And that's so you said 6%? Yeah. Ew. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> like all that is saying we there are, they have identified spots in the ocean that are, if we save them, they're going to exponentially help save the ocean in themselves. Right. So you can pick any old beach to clean up and that's great, but they have identified these very specific places that have an ecosystem that can make more of an impact if we save that one. Right. So they're kind of focusing the efforts to a smarter area. So it's kind of like, in land terms, saving the Amazon rainforest compared to saving like the prairie in Texas where there might not be as much biodiversity. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Um, so you can actually nominate places if you are out there diving, or if you happen to know your local area, you can nominate a place to become a hope spot. And that website is www.mission-blue.org forward slash hope dash spots. Hope spots. Yeah. So, I mean, anybody can identify this and they're just, all they want to do is make this available to people. 
Like she even says, use, use what you have, use movies, make movies, make podcasts, take your pictures, like do whatever you have to do to get this word out, which I just love. It gives me chills. Like no matter how small we think we are, we make a difference. We do. We do. And Sylvia Earle has made a huge difference. Yeah. So she's like mother ocean (laughs) you know she's doing really good work I would love 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 to meet her one day but yeah I mean if this has done anything for anybody just go do more research on the areas around you go find some more hope spots and just do what you can don't let people tell you what you can't do I feel like that's her thing she's such a power woman yeah boss bitch yeah like Mm. I just love the way that she described the men's faces when she lifted up her own oxygen tank, like just seeing her put her, her tank on. (laughs) What a pioneer. Right. Yeah. She's important. And I really wish people, I know that it's a niche community. Like we are ocean people and ocean people get it, but I wish more people would know her story. Yeah. And I think that's the power of social media now too, is like even people in you know, the Midwestern United States who might not ever even have the desire to go to the ocean Mm -hmm. or to hop in with sharks or to see a sperm whale or the things that obviously get us super excited still by, you know, knowing people like us or following people whose photos they love on Instagram, Mm -hmm. it still inspires the desire to protect. So, Hey, they might, um, you know, start using a reusable water bottle, start using less plastic, things like that. And then they're still going to make a massive difference whether or not they hop in what what was she at 383 meters of <laughs> freaking darkness really dark blue <laughs> yeah and that ties right into just like the common theme that this podcast is is like you protect what you care about and you care about what you know about mm-hmm. so I don't know I just love her <laughs> that inspiration though I know Queen. I know Let's get Sylvia Earl t-shirts. <laughs> I am so down. I want a mission blue. Let's look them up right now. All right. We're going to go to their shop. <laughs> Thanks so much for diving in with us today. Please make sure to follow us on Instagram at Save the Mermaids Podcast. Visit our website at www.mermaidconservation.com for all the podcast merch and our eco-friendly favorites. And don't forget to join our Facebook community, Save the Mermaids Podcast Community. This is where we will post our monthly meetups, share our favorite underwater adventures, and connect with like-minded ocean lovers all over the world. Until next time, mermaids! Mm-hmm.